Thank you, worship team and choir. And uh, I've been talking about pray like Jesus. Now, for five or six weeks, we've been visiting the prayers of Jesus, and today we're going to visit a prayer that's very special to me, and uh, I think that represents the heart of the gospel. And I would love for this prayer to become the prayer of Christians everywhere on the planet, that we would universally pray this prayer that Jesus prayed. And I think that it would be a great evangelistic tool, that it would wake the world up to the uniqueness of Jesus and His power, His might, and His love. And it is the prayer for enemies. Jesus clearly taught this prayer, and I want us to first visit the text where He taught the prayer. And I'm going to read this text from Matthew, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the most famous discourse of Jesus, and this is one of his famous sayings. So it is verse 43 where I begin in the reading today, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then Luke chapter 6 parallel passage, but one that has significant differences as well, perhaps a different sermon of Jesus, we don't know. Verse 27, where Jesus says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. This teaching about loving your enemies and praying for your enemies, really stands out in the teaching of Jesus. Jesus starts out by saying, others have told you, love your neighbor, hurt, hate your enemy. But I'm going to tell you something else. Now, he was referring back to the old law. In the old covenant, you had love of neighbor, love of stranger, love of the alien who is among you. They were to love those people, but not explicitly love 
your enemies, maybe implicitly, but not explicitly, love your enemies. So Jesus contrasts what he is saying to them now with what they've heard before. Sort of love your friends and hate your enemies. Jesus says, no, I'm telling you something different. I want you to love your enemies. The apostles picked up on this theme, but didn't explicitly quote Jesus here on loving your enemies. They did quote him on bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. So we know they are referring to this passage in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's obvious that they had this there, but they weren't explicit about it like Jesus is. I've read you two rather long passages from the discourses of Jesus where he said, love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And he was challenging us to do this. So this is unique to Jesus in a very important way and very special to him. In that when he talks about loving those who hurt you, loving that person who wrecked your life, loving that person who insults you at work, the people who say evil things and false things about you, when he talks about loving those people, He backs it up by saying, this is how the Father in heaven loves you. This is how you were loved by the Father. The Father loved you when you were at enmity with Him. When you were an enemy of God, the Father in heaven loved you. When you said bad things about him, when you ran from him, when you ignored him, when you didn't trust him, the Father in heaven loved you. God loves you so powerfully, even if you're not sure you believe in him, even if you know you're doing things that displease him. The Father's love for you is amazing. You will walk out these doors today and you'll go into a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And whether you've been good or whether you've been bad, The Father in heaven will allow his sun to shine on you. He will give you free oxygen to breathe. He will turn the sparrows loose to give you song and line your path with beautiful blossoms on this spring. And he will do it whether you're righteous or unrighteous, whether you love him or whether you don't. The Father's love is poured out upon this planet in such a way that every day, in manifold kinds of ways, he loves his enemies. (laughs) He's that kind of God. And Jesus says, I want you to love your mother, but I want you to do something else. I want you to love your friends, but I want you to do something else. These other kinds of love that the world sings about, writes stories about, writes poetry about, these other kinds of love, everybody knows them. Pagans do that. Even tax collectors do that kind of thing. They greet the people who greet them. They're kind to the people who are kind to them. They lend to people who are sure to give it back. That's common practice in the human family. I want you to be distinguished by a special kind of love, not practiced on the planet. I want you to love your enemies, and I want you to pray for your enemies. And if you will love your enemies and pray for your enemies, people will realize that you are children of the Father in heaven. It will set you apart.
it will distinguish you to do this. That's what Jesus said. He said, in this way, you'll be like your Father in heaven. And you'll be unlike so many other people in the world who, who say they love and have a kind of love, but they do not have this kind of love. This is the unique, wonderful, peculiar love that Jesus brings to the planet, the love of enemies. I told you about the young man who was raised in the home of a Muslim leader who had been radicalized and sought to destroy the West. And in his spiritual journey, he came upon the teachings of Jesus and particularly this text, Love Your Enemies. And it is the testimony he tells over and over again as he speaks that it is the teaching about love of enemies that turned his heart to Christ. Oh, that it would happen that a billion Christians around the world, people who claim the name of Jesus, would begin to pray for their enemies and love their enemies as God has loved them. What a testimony it would be. What a wonderful impact it would have on people everywhere in the world and right here in our community were we to really, truly, deeply, passionately pray for our enemies and love them. Now, it's easy to say something. It's hard sometimes to do it. Jesus of Nazareth was a man of flesh and bone. And he taught us to love our enemies. He said, bless those who persecute you. If somebody slaps you on one cheek, you turn the other also. He taught these things, but these are words. I want to read for you how he lived this out. In Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Jesus has been tried, convicted, and sentenced. And now they are carrying out the sentence. And Luke says that two other men, both criminals, this is verse 32 of chapter 23 of Luke, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. It's hard for us to imagine the cruel and unusual punishment that crucifixion was. The Romans devised it in such a way that a victim could live as long as four days hanging upon a cross and expire actually of exposure and lack of water sagging down until he can no longer breathe. The context of this prayer, Father, forgive them, is so astonishing. They have beaten already within an inch of his life. They have mocked him and spit upon him and hit him. 
Some creative soldier has fashioned a crown of thorns and crushed it down upon his head. And they bow down and said, Hail, King of the Jews. What a joke. What a joke. And now Luke records that they stretch him out upon the wooden beams and they drive the nails through his hands and his feet. They put that cross mounted up, hanging him between heaven and earth. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. He's talking to his, his daddy in heaven, his Abba. It's a prayer. A prayer is by definition petition unto God. He's praying, he's petitioning God for something. He's talking to the Father as he hangs upon this cross. He says, Father, forgive them. The word forgive means to take away the sin, to let it go, to turn it loose, to wipe it out, to drive it out. It's pictured by the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement, which the children would drive into the wilderness. You know, the priest would heap in a symbol all the sins of Israel upon the head of that scapegoat, and then they would drive it into the wilderness so far it would never find its way back. The sin, you see, went with the scapegoat. It just was gone forever. To forgive is to bury your sin in the depths of the sea and remember it no more against you. That's what God does for you. And you know the wonderful, amazing benefit of forgiveness. It has happened in your heart. You've experienced it. The joy of knowing that your soul is clean, that God has forgiven you. And Jesus on the cross is praying, I want this benefit for my enemies, the people who have driven these nails into my hands and crushed this crown upon my head, the people who have hung me up here to die, these leaders who are over here sneering and making their mockery. Father, I want something from you. Remove their sin from them. Make them white as snow. Forgive them, Lord. They do not know what they are doing. He prays this prayer, this amazing prayer, this prayer for a great spiritual benefit for his enemies. Jesus not only taught this, he lived this. He did this. And he wants you to do it too. Sometimes the world weighs upon you and you feel like you're swimming uphill with every stroke feels like the current is against you. Every time you try to do good, evil is present with you. And you get tired and you wonder, how in the world can I keep going against this current and living this kind of life? It feels so impossible. And when that happens, you need to visit a place in your mind, in your heart. You need to go see Jesus as he dies. And maybe especially to hear him pray, Father, forgive them. See, this is love in the crucified form. This is love in the crucified form. Somebody called it cruciform. This is cruciform love. When Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, 
he was expressing this cruciform love. And this is the kind of love, this particular, amazing, unique, surprising, incredible love. This is the kind of love God wants to turn loose in you. See, he, he wants us following the example of his Lord as he died and loving people this way, praying for our enemies as Jesus prayed for his. It's truly an amazing thing. It's a wonderful picture of the incredible love of God. Forgive them, Lord, they do not know what they are doing, and this is so true of them and so true of all those who have persecuted the Savior since that time. If you receive persecution because you are a Christian, it's one of the great privileges of your life, you know. For somebody to make fun of you because you're a Christian, that would be great. They've confused you with Jesus. You know, if Jesus were there, they'd want to make fun of him. He's not there, but you are, and you look enough like him, they're going to give you some words. You've represented him well enough, faithfully enough. They got him and you confused a little bit, so they heap some persecution on you. That ought, to, that ought to be okay with you. Rejoice when you're persecuted and people do things against you unjustly. This is how they treated the prophets and this is how they treated Jesus. And now you're in line with them. You're in good company. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. The apostles said if they had known that it was the Lord of glory, they would not have crucified him. But they didn't know. They didn't know who he was. They thought it was a joke. The king of the Jews. The leaders of Israel wanted them to change the sign on the cross and put, he said he is the king of the Jews. That's when Pilate said, what I have written I have written. They thought it was a joke, but he truly was. Not just the king of the Jews, but the king of the planet. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. That's who Jesus was, and they hung him up to die. So it's our privilege and opportunity, my brothers and sisters, to love people and pray for people in this unique and powerful way. To have our hearts so conformed to the heart of Jesus that we can pray for our enemies. And I want us to do that now. I want you to identify your enemies in your mind, in your heart. The faces go in front of you, pick them out. Who are your enemies? The names you know, the people you know, the folks at work, at school, in your family. Identify your enemies. You say, I have no enemies. Oh. I imagine you have some enemies. There may be somebody in the world who says, that person ruined my life. They may be saying that of you. Maybe you kind of cringe a little bit. Well, <laughs> go through the log, go through the memory banks. Do you know your enemies? People who did you wrong? People who speak badly of you? Have you ever been slapped by somebody? Has so anybody taken what was yours? Have you been slandered and accused, made fun of and mocked? Do you have any enemies? 
Maybe you're still struggling with, well, I don't know for sure if I've got any enemies. Well, check out your emotions and feelings. I want you to think about that woman that you hope you will not see when you go to the grocery store. Okay? The man at work that you hope you won't encounter where you've got to shake his hand. There's probably somebody out there who you hope you don't run into. Because they've done you wrong, that relationship is alienated, and, and you just don't want to see them. Is there somebody like that? Would you pray for your enemies? Would you pray for the ones who have hurt you, who have harmed you, and maybe wrecked your life, who have wounded you more deeply than you ever knew you could be wounded? For the person that you've been unable to forgive for all these years, where there's still bitterness in your heart, I want you to pray for that person. There's power in this prayer. Jesus wouldn't ask us to pray this if there weren't power. There is power in this prayer to give you deliverance from the anger, the resentment, and the bitterness that's taken root in your soul. When you think about this person, it makes your heart start beating faster. It makes you clench your fists. Just thinking about the person. See, there's something inside of you that God can and will address and can only do it if you will pray for your enemy, if you will love him. We have some enemies as a community we need to pray for. Mitch Landrew, our mayor, says there's 600 people in the city of New Orleans who commit 90% of the murders and violent acts in this community. I want us to pray for them. They wound and hurt and harm innocent people. They make our community a more difficult place to live. They threaten us sometimes with their violence and we need to pray for them. We have an election coming up, and some of us react so violently to certain political figures that when their picture comes on the TV, we immediately change the channel. We don't want to hear a thing they say, and if we could reach through the television and grab them by the throat, we would. (laughs) All right? We have lots of passion, so I want us to pray for our political enemies. That's who really... Pilate was. That's who who these Romans were that surrounded Jesus. The Jews hated Rome and they hated the Roman soldiers that were among them and Jesus communicated his love to these people. In fact, as Jesus says, Father, forgive them, he's praying for these Roman soldiers hated by all the people that he grew up with. He's praying for them. So I don't know whether you're a Democrat or Republican or who just really makes you angry out there. But here in a moment, I want you to pray for the one that angers you. We have people in our world who are our enemies. 
the leaders of ISIS and Al-Qaeda, people who have harmed our country, harmed our economy, and seek to do us harm every day. We're going to pray for them in a minute. Can you do this? Can you pray for them? Your heart will be healthier if you can pray for them. If you can bow your head and come to God and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you can pray for God's mercy upon their life, if you can pray for their repentance and their coming to God, if you can pray for them, it will be healthy for your heart. The closer the enemy is, the more powerful the prayer. If he has just nailed you to a cross, this prayer is so powerful in every way. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we bow before you. You are king. You are Lord. We submit to you. We intend to do so in every impulse of our hearts. We want to conform our lives to you. Lord, help us as we pray for our enemies. Now to mention the name of your enemy to God. The person who's wounded you most deeply, who's brought you greatest sorrow, who stirs your anger and emotions, the person whose face you do not want to see, the hand you do not want to shake, pray for your enemy. Lord, we pray for those who wreak such havoc and violence in our city. We lift them up to you. We pray that your good news would reach them, your forgiveness would reach them. Lord, we pray for them. Extend your mercy unto them. Change their hearts and lives. We pray, God, for political enemies who stir in us such passion. We lift them up to you. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and all the rest of them who are running for office, we lift them up to you, Lord. We pray for them for your power in their life, for your heart to touch theirs. Lord, we pray for people in our world who right this hour are planning violence and hatred. We pray for them. And God, we pray for ourselves that you will teach us how to love as you have loved us. How to love the unlovely, the unworthy, the wicked. 
Lord, that you would bring us past our anger, our fear, and our bitterness into the realm of your amazing love. And God, that somehow through the love that is so deep and wide and high that it's incomprehensible, somehow through this love with which you've loved us, that you would heal our hearts, mend our emotions, cleanse the deepest spot in our soul, and bring us into a new walk of liberty in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.